Welcome back to Podcast 56 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow the Osbreakers. Follow on social media slash the Osbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Circus Sports in Las Vegas. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circus Sports. These contests have two ways to win and no rake. The Circus Sports Million has quarterly payouts and 100% payback. Play Circus Survivor and select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com. If you'd like to support the Ozbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theozbreakers.com. Click shop and become a member and pick any of our premium cappers to get their plays before the line moves. Our football packages are up, and we're extending our $100 off all the way through, through September 10th. Use the promo code FOOTBALL22, my friends. Also, make sure you check out our Telegram channel. When cappers give out premium plays, we also make them free from time to time. You can get those right when we make them on Telegram without having to worry about the lines moving after the value is gone. I also want to remind everybody to check out our YouTube channel. My shows are on our YouTube channel streamed live, usually about Wednesday around 1 or 2 p.m. Pacific time. That way you can get the plays that me and the handicappers that are coming on the show make right when they're made rather than waiting for the podcast to come out. So YouTube has a little notification that will send you when we're going to have a guest on. And that is the most important thing I always preach when it comes to sports betting is to be on the right side of the play. If you wait too long, more and more sharp cappers are going to realize that that line is off and that line is going to move if it doesn't move from some of the bets that are released when we make them anyways. Well, we have a great show for you today. It's all about college football. We have Will Hill from VEASAN and the New York City podcast coming on to break down a couple big college football games for the weekend as well as some NFC East action in the NFL. He's an NFC East specialist being out in New York. Real excited to bring Will on. I was on his show earlier this week and Tony George from Doc Sports loves his college football, loves his Cornhuskers, might have something to say about that. But he's going to talk about some other big games this week in college football. Can't wait to get those two guys on and break down some pigskin. We are finally here, college football week one. All right, before our guests come on, I want to remind you to get to footballcontest.com to sign up with Maddie and Tony over there to play the big Circa Survivor and Circa Millions and any other big football contest in Las Vegas. They are the most experienced proxy in all of Vegas. They are the best proxies in all of Vegas. Highly recommend footballcontest.com. They do such a fantastic job for me and Chris and Steve and everybody else that we know that gets in. Make sure you tell them the odds breakers sent you. All right, without further ado, let's get into our first guest, Mr. Will Hill from VEASAN in the New York City cast. Very excited to welcome back a man who has a fantastic show blowing up on the East Coast, Mr. William Hill from the New York City cast and VEASAN. You can follow him on Twitter at not the Will Hill. 
Will, my man, football's back. You got college going on this weekend. You got uh, the Giants. You got the Jets. You, you got the Yankees and the Mets. And first, it must be nice to be living in New York right now or Connecticut. It's a lot of fun. Uh, like you said, football coming right around the corner here, days away, hours away. Recording this on Wednesday. So, games tomorrow night, all through the weekend, bunch of top 25 matchups. Still have pennant race baseball. It leads right into really, and we can have a debate about what the best sports month of the year is, but October is right in the conversation, especially when you get playoff baseball, NFL Sundays, those Saturdays with college football. It's, uh, you certainly need plenty of TVs here. Oh, yeah. TVs galore is what we have out here, my man. I, you can't have enough of them these days. And if you don't have enough t- – or if you think you have enough TVs, you got to get a couple iPads too or a couple tablets. Keep those games on. Keep them streaming, my man. But, geez, for you, it's going to be – got the, the Mets and the Yankees and the, obviously you got the football going on. It's going to be a, a very busy September and October for you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the – you know, New York's the only place where the baseball teams might outlast the football teams. By the time the baseball teams are done, or at least one of them, by you know, the Mets or the Yankees, probably you look up and the Jets are who knows two and six, <laughs> one and five. So, uh, baseball season might outlast football season. Hopefully not. That's you know the question I've been asking on my podcast. It, it's such a topsy turvy league in the NFL. It's so unpredictable. It's built for parity. The bad teams get the worst picks. The, the you know the best picks, the easiest schedule. It's been so long since either team was even competitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've gone half a decade here without either of them playing 500 balls. So can we get a situation where week 13, week 14, we're in December, and at least one of them is 500. We're not asking to win the Super Bowl, make the playoffs, win a playoff game. Just wake up in the middle of December and just be, hey, we, we can make the playoffs if this happens. It's been a long time since either of these teams were even somewhat relevant. A very long time, you know, and uh, – uh, we're, we have some high hopes here, especially for the Giants. The Jets obviously have had lots of great draft choices, so I can't wait to get into that. And we're going to cover a little NFL Week 1, a little NFC East, and obviously a little bit of the Jets. Before we get into that, though, is kind of the Yankees kind of bring it around yet? I, I've seen you and Felica tweeting a little bit uh, the last few weeks how you're a little bit down on the Yankees, but I, I are they, do you think they're kind of coming around back again? I think they way overperformed when they were playing really well in the beginning of the year, and I think they underperformed this last month. The truth is usually somewhere in the middle. These teams mm-hmm. are never as good as they are when they look great, never as bad as they are when they look terrible. They've really been Jekyll and Hyde where they lose 20 out of 30, they lose 7 out of 8, and this was a team that was playing 700 baseball for a long time. They had a better record than the Dodgers, and a lot of people thought the Yankees would have a better record than the Dodgers, and you wake up here and it's still the calendar is on august and the dodgers have 90 wins it's just an incredible 52 games over 500 and it's funny they've been the best team in baseball here for really like a decade and they only have one title to show for it so it's hard to uh it's hard to win in baseball but yeah the yankees have a lot of issues bottom of the lineup is soft back of the bullpen has a lot of question marks they've gotten killed here with injuries to the pitching staff they miss carpenter so um they're gonna win the division their so their season's gonna start here second week of october october 10th the division round Everyone's zero and zero. So all these slumps, all these hot streaks, none of it really matters. They just got to get healthy and get ready for the playoffs. Does Houston worry you a little bit in that? Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, I don't yeah. think any Yankee fan, if you gave him true serum, he said Yankees, Astros right now, best of seven. I mean, you might get some uh, some some fanboys on the Yankees, some biased Yankee fans say, oh, I think we're going to beat them. It'd be very hard to make a case. Now, Verlander's out, maybe that changes things, but the Astros just have a, a better knack for a big game. They're a little tougher. They're a little more balanced. That being said, all these Astros victories over the Yankees, I think we know now that there were some antics going on with the trash cans and the sign stealing. 
So maybe that evens it out a little bit, but the Yankees are just too home run happy. If they can't out homer you, they can't out beat you. And if you just keep judging Stanton in the ballpark, which it's not always easy, but if you can do that, they just don't have a lot of ways to manufacture runs. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, Houston definitely a scary team right now. I almost look at him as somebody that just beats a beats up a lot of teams in the regular season and could have had some issues in the playoffs. So I'm a little more optimistic for the Yankees than I am for the Mets getting ahead of the Dodgers. I think that's a fair statement. Yeah, but I don't know about the Dodgers pitching. They will get Kershaw back, and I think getting May back helps because May can miss bats, but they get a lot the Dodgers do out of the Tyler Andersons of the world, you know, Andrew Heaney. If you're going to have a playoff game where I got DeGrom and you got Andrew Heaney or Tyler Anderson, I'm going to go with DeGrom. Now, the Dodger lineup is just like an all-star team. The Mets lineup is good, not great, so there's an advantage there. Uh, the only thing I can hope for a Dodgers match is that we get that in October because mm-hmm. DeGrom versus that lineup, Scherzer versus that lineup, the great pitching versus the great hitting, all of the history of the Brooklyn Dodgers used to play in New York, East Coast in L.A., East Coast in New York versus West Coast in L.A. There would be so many great storylines to have an NLCS. We have the Mets versus the Dodgers. It would be so much fun to watch. One thing to keep an eye on, though, if the Mets win the division, they're going to be the two seed. You almost prefer to be the two seed because you get the winner of the NL Central, which will be the Cardinals and whoever, whatever wild card they play. So let's just say the Mets play the Cardinals. The Dodgers are probably going to have to deal with the Braves in the first round. That is not pleasant to deal with Max Fried, Morton, Strider. They won a championship last year. They beat the Dodgers last year. So that's a much easier for draw for the Mets on the two side of the bracket as opposed to the one side. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah, so it, it gets a little dicey, and the two side might be a little bit more attractive if you're dealing with that side. Even think of that. Yeah, right. The Cardinals are probably be- more beatable. I'd rather face the Cardinals, at least right now. They're really hot right now, but then the champion Atlanta Braves. That makes total sense. Well, let's get a little football then, my man. Let's start with a little Giants this uh, week one coming next week, actually. They're playing the Titans. The spread's still about five and a half. We discussed this yesterday. Total about 43 and a half. I want to get your take on that. Are you going to make a play on this thing? Do you see any value on any sides or totals? I am. And let me just preface this, all my week one stuff, by saying my default position heading into week one of college, week one of the NFL we don't know anything. We don't know as much as we think we know. We have all these positions, opinions. Half our stuff's going to blow up and be wrong, so we don't really know. So my default position here is take the points, and I am looking to fade the Titans. That's one of my stronger season win total bets. I believe I got it nine and a half. It's nine now. I would still play under nine. I don't think they're going to win 10 games. few reasons. They lose A.J. Brown. Henry has had 800 touches in 2019-2020 combined between the playoffs and the regular season. He gets hurt last year. He comes back. He didn't look as great in that playoff game. He didn't look explosive. He's going to be 29 by the end of the season, and their receiver room is just a mess. Now, they're pretty good on defense, but if you look at their underlying stats last year, the Titans, I think they were 5.2 yards per play on offense, 5.5 yards per play allowed, both middle of the pack, both a little below middle of the pack, which you say, wow, this is a one seed that was below average in yards per play on offense and defense. They were really an outlier in terms of what their record is versus what their numbers were. I think they're a little above an average team. I think the Giants will be better coached, healthier. Um, the, the Giants, our last memory of them is just being completely non-competitive once Jones got hurt. But they were okay. They weren't by any means a great team, but they were okay with Jones. They beat Philly. They won in New Orleans. I think being better coached, healthier, maybe you get something out of Barkley. I think the Giants will be not good this year, but competitive. So I will take the points here in this matchup. You know, you asked me yesterday if I there 
if I had the Giants at last on my power ratings at towards the end of the season, and I did pull them up last night, and yes, they were last towards the end of the season. So yeah, it would make a it would be a pretty big jump for them to get up. But hey, a new coach can completely change this thing around, and uh, I really like Dayball and everything he's doing right there. And then everything I said about Tannehill, he, he looks a little disgruntled. I think he was more of a system kind of guy when everything's gelling right. Having those receiver problems is going to make a lot of teams look for play action and stack the box a little bit against them. So I think the Giants should be able to uh, have a good shot at winning this thing. Let's move on to the Ravens versus the Jets. Let's let's talk about this game because this game moved. It was about actually it was about four. Let's just it was about four and a half by the time I got involved. It was five and a half on the Ravens and. Um, right before preseason, obviously Wilson had that little injury here, but we don't know exactly what his status is, but this is kind of sitting at the seven here total at 44.5. Are you buying the Ravens this year? And are you buying this spread? I really like the Ravens this year. I, I like their schedule. The fact that he get a team of that ilk, that much talent to be, uh, in a situation where they get a fourth place schedule. Remember they were eight and three in the one seed into November and their whole team got decimated. The whole team got hurt. This is a really good organization, a good team. I don't like their receivers. I don't love their offensive line, but look, it's the NFL. No <laughs> team is perfect. They're well coached. They're well run. They got a good quarterback. Um, I'm just not in the habit of laying close to a touchdown, especially week one, especially on the road. I really don't want any part of the Jets here with Flacco. Um, remember, this is a 9-11 game in New York, so it's going to be an emotional game. It's going to be a loud crowd. Home field, I think it matters in round one, in week one. Because all these teams have optimism. You know, if you go play the Texans in week 13, their fans are beaten down. They're booing their own players. Week one, everyone thinks they can be the Bengals. Everyone thinks, hey, if things break right, we can go to the playoffs. We can go to the Super Bowl. At least most teams think that, at least have a hope of it. So the fans are loud. These buildings are loud. I don't want to lay the points here. If you want to tease the Ravens, I have no issue with that. But look, there's plenty of games to bet. It's a long season. You don't have to swing at every pitch here. So this would be a, a pretty easy pass for me at this number. I think it's a great teaser leg right now at this number. But um, at the same time, uh, it is that first game on the road. You know, There's going to be some upsets. I, I can tell you that yep. uh, the Niners, the Saints, and the... Someone's going down. Yeah, and then the Ravens. Uh, those big spreads on the roads. One of those teams is going to go down and it's going to break some people's teasers. Uh, just, uh, just how it goes in the NFL. Now that we got the New York teams taken care of, let's pivot back to the East. Let's talk about Tampa versus Dallas. Dallas is only a one and a half point dog, and the total's down to 50 points here. What are your thoughts on this one? Speaking of teaser legs, that's a good piece. If you're looking to tease something with, you get Dallas through the three and through the seven up to seven and a half. That's pretty good. I think for Dallas, you're catching a break. You're catching them at the right time, Tampa. Uh, offensive line and disarray, offensive line injuries. Brady disappeared for 10 days. All sorts of issues. No Antonio Brown, no Gronkowski, Godwin Hurt. Uh, this is not the same Tampa team. You, you got a weird vibe here with this Tampa team. And I know we talked about it yesterday. You don't make money betting against Tom Brady. You know, at some point here, he is going to fall off the cliff. He is 45 years old. It's hard to believe he's 45. But to me, this is a good time to play against them. I know they have the continuity. He's been in this offense last year, but it's a, a new coach. I know he coached with the Jets before, and he was not a – exactly a brilliant performance his years with the jets for todd bowles but to me this is a good time to face tampa uh with the offensive line issues for all their uncertainty all the disruption in camp so to me it would be cowboys or pass i haven't played it yet but i you could certainly again talk me into cowboys as a teaser leg and a strong lean here towards the dallas plus the one and a half i'll probably bet the dallas plus the points all right dallas plus the point i, I actually have dallas as a slight favorite 
instead of a slight dog. So right in there, making this teaser leg that much more attractive for me. Um, when this, when we talked about this over about a month and a half, two months ago, maybe it was longer ago, actually, uh, it did go down because of those offensive line issues because of Brady, uh, being weird at the end of the preseason, leaving his team. That's not a good precedent for anybody, you know, and I totally get that. And the line move still went down. I'm still not, I'm still not a guy that would take this under though, because these Offenses were so powerful last year, and uh, Tampa lost a lot of guys on defense. JPP, Ndamukong Sue, Jordan Whitehead, Kevin Minter. You know, they lost a lot that could uh, disrupt what the Cowboys are doing. You know, I think that Moore is still a good coordinator over there. I, I just think that um, I, I wish that Michael Gallup was playing, but I still think that Dallas has enough. I really like Dalton Schultz. He was a top tight end picked already in a couple of my fantasy drafts. I'm still leaning towards the over, but I'm going to be teasing this thing uh, hopefully soon. And I don't see I don't see it moving too much, but get past that seven, right? That's uh, that's what we want to tease it with. For sure. And I think if you like the over, bet it now. I think if you like the underweight because it's the Sunday night game, uh, it's Tom Brady, it's the Cowboys, it's a public team. People want to bet overs. It's a standalone game. I don't see a lot of under money. Maybe get some sharp under money late. But I could see this trickling back up Sunday. People just wanted to bet. Oh, the, oh, Brady's on. Oh, the Cowboys are on. Let me bet the over. So I could. I think you might, uh, if you like the over, maybe bet it now. If you like the under, maybe wait a little bit. You get an extra point, point and a half, maybe two points. And uh, before we get to your next question, I just want to pick your brain for a second because you talk about these players a lot and something I try to get better at. How do you grade these players? Like, what do you use to grade these players when you talk about a tight end or a safety? Do you rely on some of like the PFF? Do you rely on film because it's hard sometimes hey this guy's out or this guy's a little banged up and and putting a number on that how do you price that exactly i don't put much of a price on it unless it's a cluster um okay uh, now if it's quarterback i do i mean quarterbacks can move up to seven points actually there's been there's been people saying deshaun watson was worth 11 points some of those years with houston it's just and i i really couldn't disagree with a lot of that because the it, it, it it's also the distance between the backup quarterback um, and the starter, you know, I, of course. you know, in the situation like with Buffalo, uh, Keenum is not a bad backup, you know, and when, I don't think their spread would go too far down, but you know, in the situation with the bears, it, it would be a larger discrepancy is the situation with Tampa Bay. If Brady's, Brady's out, that's a pretty big jump itself too. So we have to think about that. And, um, we have to realize what part, how much is it the team? How much is it the system? Um, with a guy like uh, the Niners, the, if if Jimmy Grapple has to go in, I might upgrade it. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. it just depends upon the situation. But no, I won't put much. I mean, I mean, once in a while, like the Mike linebacker, I'll put maybe a point for him because for the he, center. I've heard a lot of people value the center a lot. A lot of people do, and if you're if the guard usually sometimes moves into center, and they'll bring up a backup guard in some cases, and if he's has some experience, then that's when you dig a little bit deep. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do much with the center. The center des- definitely does move the line around i don't know what they're doing in practice but uh the mike linebacker definitely calls the plays on defense and uh that could disrupt some things the the mike the middle linebacker is usually the mike linebacker but that's important too it, but nothing's even close to where here's when the cluster injuries come in when there's three starting offensive linemen out it's a massive change a team usually has one to two good uh backups that could do it but once that breaks up it messes up the whole rest of the, the whole offense and really the whole defense because the defense is gonna have to spend more time on the field that would blow up something so cluster injuries is really important 
that's why I think Tampa has issues because it's clusters, not only offensive line, but passing game in general. You just put all these injuries under the passing game tree where offensive line affects the passing game. Receivers or lack of receivers affects the passing game. I mean, you can only dump the ball down on Leonard Fournette for three yards so many times. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good point about the clusters. And it's funny you mentioned the quarterbacks. There's a there's a funny line that, you know, what's Joe Montana worth to the point spread? People are like, oh, half a point because Steve Young's his backup. So it's all relative to who the backup is. <laughs> Certainly is, you know, and I think that's why the Niners made a great move healing that relationship. I was shocked that they were able to get it done and talk him into being a backup at this point of his career after what he's earned, after him being a Super Bowl quarterback. But you could see some of that back in the 2021 Super Bowl, the 2020 Super Bowl, where Shanahan didn't trust him. And, um, you know, they, they, that last two-minute drive should have uh, been more of an effort instead of run it and try to punt it and run the clock out. It blew my mind against the Chiefs, and I think that's where they lost the game. Up 10 with the ball in the fourth quarter. That's uh, People could say, oh, Mahomes is great. Mahomes stole it. Mahomes down 10 through an interception. I mean, two or three first downs. You start to do the math with the clock. Every first down's like a minute, a few more minutes, a few more plays. Uh, down 10 you know, uh, on defense. 49ers up 10 with the ball in the fourth quarter. You don't get that Super Bowl. It's uh that's a tough one. You're 100% right and especially you know Trey Lance is a, a guy that likes to run. Uh-huh. All it takes is one hit and you're going to need a backup and say, "Hey, uh there's Garoppolo right there." So I, I totally agree. Potentially save their season keeping Garoppolo on the team. The only thing that was worse was Atlanta versus the Patriots, my man. <laughs> Let's move on to the Eagles Detroit. Detroit's about a four-point dog right now at home. This thing's been like just stuck at four for a long time. I thought this would move down to three personally. There's been a lot of positive momentum from the public or from just the perception on the Detroit Lions. The total of this is 49. I believe last year, Will, that the Lions got blown out when they played the Eagles. I thought that was in Philly. You maybe One of the few mind. games they got buried, and I think it was in Detroit, one of the few games Detroit wasn't competitive because they only won three games last year, but they were in every single game. They were a, you know, a sharp, sharp better's darling. They were better's darling. They covered a lot of spreads. I think 11-6 and six against the spread. Uh, I can only look to Detroit. It's, it's funny. It's sort of two teams that everybody loves. Everyone's high on the Eagles. It's everyone's. NFC East pick. I think they're right around even with Dallas right now to win the NFC East co-favorites. So everyone loves the Eagles. Everyone loves the Lions. Something's got to give. I'll take the four points at home. I think they're better on both lines. Goff, I don't love Goff, but look, he can at least move the ball for you. I think Detroit's improved. I think they play hard. I mean, I know it's a cliche for Campbell, but uh, they're in every game. They never give up. You know, the backdoor cover is always open. So again, week one, home team getting points we don't know as much as we probably think we know with these teams i will gladly take the four here with detroit all right you know my pure power rating numbers minus four and a half but i didn't not playing the eagles I, there's just a lot of hype on the eagles and they should be better than the lions just by how they're built and you know what they've been doing and they've been rebuilding i guess the right way longer but I also think that um the lions are probably getting a little too much respect in the market they're so hyped this year um and, and they still have the same quarterback that's had so many problems, and I, I'm just not big on him. And w- what I am looking at, it's a different angle. I'm looking at the 49 as a total. It seems a little high to me here. You know, I can see a lot of DeAndre Swift here. I can see the Eagles not, just limiting Hurts, not allowing him to make the big mistake. And you know how the Eagles are when they do get a lead, they just pound and pound and pound and pound running that clock. I just feel that this total is a tad bit high. I didn't play the under yet, but I'm really considering taking a shot at under 49 here. 
Yeah, I haven't gotten involved. I got involved with a couple of totals. It's sort of competing forces at, at play here because I think as these teams basically punt on the preseason now, the speed of the game, going from preseason to week one, the speed of the game, I think that favors the defense. These offenses are not really caught up in, in terms of what they're going to see from the defense. It's almost like in baseball where, hey, you can take batting practice all you want, but when you, you get on the you get up to the plate and Jacob DeGrom's throwing 99, it's hard to simulate that. So I think the defenses are ahead of the offenses. So I would look to play unders, but the only thing keeping me off of that is the fact that they're going to emphasize illegal contact. And, I mean, we know, third and ten, once you see that flag for legal contact, it stops the clock, it extends the drive, it usually leads to points. And if there's an emphasis on the refs to call it, there's also going to be an emphasis on the defense to not do it. And if your coaches are saying, hey, they're calling it, don't be as physical, get your hands off them, well, that's going to open things up for these receivers to, to run free. So I'm staying away from some of these totals for those reasons. They're supposed to call illegal contact on the offense, too, when, they, when he guns up and jams the guy. So um, Good luck with that. I, I, know, I, I know I'm just I'm, I'm just saying I don't know if it's going to happen, but um, you can't exactly push someone off your route and turn around like so many receivers lived off all of their whole lives. Yes. Let's move on to the last one here. Jacksonville versus Washington. Washington's laying about three points. The total is 44. My number, I'll just tell you now, it's minus four, but I don't I, I can't. Here's here's the thing. I can't upgrade Jacksonville and Detroit so much like this whole perception thing is. I do think Jacksonville's improved. I'm not sure if Washington's improved at all. I don't like what, what Washington did in the offseason. I don't like Carson Wentz. I almost think the Heineke might be better than Wentz, Will. Uh, to be honest with you, I think that was a very head-scratching move to go with a guy that failed so bad with his ex-defense coordinator. He, he, even he traded him blows my mind um both defenses should still be a little suspect though so now this is the one i'm more looking at the over 44 because uh, you know i just think it's a couple points too low jacksonville had a terrible defense they're supposed to have a much better offense this year and you know i'll tell you what wentz he, he can be a little bit of erratic himself but um chase young still not there with washington and we knew that washington was fake news from the year before and their defense showed it so this total seems a little low to me, so I'm going to lean to the over and hear your thoughts. I'll grab Jacksonville plus the three. Peterson's a guy who's won a Super Bowl, made the playoffs three straight years. You know, two, The two years after they won the Super Bowl, he made the playoffs and won a game, made the playoffs the next year when Wentz got hurt. So uh, he did a pretty good job. I thought he kind of got a raw deal in Philly because, I mean, think about it. 2017, he makes the Super Bowl. 2018, he uh, makes the playoffs, wins a road game in Chicago, really almost beat the Saints and got back to the NFC title game. 2019, he gets in the playoffs again, wins the division. His quarterback gets a concussion, loses that game. All right, 2020 in that weird COVID year, he misses the playoffs, and then that's it. He's out of there. That was a little bit of a short leash. So, um, And I don't think he's a great coach, but I do think he's a good, solid coach, aggressive on fourth down, and you're going to compare him to perhaps the worst coach in the history of the NFL and Urban Meyer. you got to get a big coaching bump, big coaching upgrade in terms of Meyer. And if you look at the defense last year, you mentioned they were bad. They forced nine turnovers. They had nine takeaways, by far the worst in the league. That usually normalizes year to year. Uh, so I think, look, just bounce to the ball. They'll get some more turnovers. I think they'll be better coached. If Lawrence is 75 80% as good as everyone makes him out to be, he's going to play a lot better than he did last year. I know a lot of people make excuses for him. Hey, it was the coach, which um, maybe is fair, but he did not play well last year. So maybe he makes a second-year lump. 
to me, uh, second year jump to me, it's um, it's Jags or nothing. I actually like the Jags here plus the three. I don't give Washington much of a home field advantage because their fans seem to hate their team. They don't like the owner. They don't like anything within the organization. So <laughs> to me, this is sort of a neutral field. Um, I like the Jags here. Yeah, I will say that the Jaguars were a little disappointing in the preseason. I I, I thought they would play, and they didn't play a lot of their starters that long. But you know they have four L's there. They didn't get over fifteen points. They looks pretty suspect, like I, at least from a a depth perception. And you you can't trust the preseason. We know this, but it it just was a little strange to me. I thought I'd see a little bit more of a pickup from them, but um. Yeah, I, I think the three is a pretty decent number, but I'm going to lean to the over on this. Let's move on to college football then, my man. A couple big games this weekend. Let's start with a big spread here and a team that made the playoffs, Will. Let's look at Colorado State versus Michigan. Michigan is about minus 30 and a half. The total is 61.5. Any thoughts on this game? I have some general thoughts, and then we'll circle back to this game. Uh if you've noticed with betting becoming more prevalent, more legal, you're seeing a lot of fishy stuff at the end of these games with bigger spreads. And my theory is these donors, you know, pay the salary of these coaches. These donors are very important. I think a lot of them go to these games, the alumni, and they throw a little money on their team. So at the end of a 30 point game, my coach says, you know what? I'm going to throw my alumni a bone and I'm going to cover. So that's screwing up some of these end of the game scenarios. I saw last year a scenario. I forget who the team was. It was early in the year. They're down 30. And the spread was, I think, 28, and they kicked the field goal with like three minutes left. So that throws a little bit of a monkey wrench into these bigger spreads because there's always been sort of a tacit agreement that the spread is not in play. These teams are going to take their foot off the gas if they're ahead and keep playing if they're behind. So uh, that being said, these teams do tend to call off the dogs when they get a big lead in college in the second half. Harbaugh's a little bit of a different animal. He's overcompetitive. He's trying to play two quarterbacks. Maybe they run up the score a little bit. I don't have a lot of interest in taking the points. Um, I don't, I'm not crazy about laying it here either. If you had forced me to bet it here, I would probably lay it just because I think Harbaugh and Michigan can sort of name their score here. And I think you know Harbaugh doesn't mind punching that extra one in at the end of the game and getting his team some confidence. So I'll have a slight lean here to Michigan. Not crazy about playing it, though. I know James Franklin's one of those coaches from Penn State that yes. will certainly try to cover for his – boosters coming on in so that's that's a very common uh that, well it's not that common but it's getting more and more common especially now that betting is becoming legal all over the united states so great point right there i thought it was just really strange when jay Nor- norvell left uh, nevada uh brought the quarterback clay milton uh millen brought tory horton just a bunch of dudes with him and nevada was left with almost nothing this move this line it moved about three points two days ago. A, a, a sharper side hit it, and it was interesting. It, you know, I guess this early in the season, you expect more dog movement, but this was a favorite movement on the sharps. Um, even with a lot of experience at Nevada, it's just hard to compare what this team can do against Michigan, just like you said. And uh, you know, old Harbaugh has it in him to definitely run the score up. You remember against Notre Dame when Harbaugh a couple years ago in that rainstorm. He did not let off the gas. He kept pounding and pounding Notre Dame. I had the under, and I was pissed because this game was yeah. oh, this game was over rainy. It's just like get out of town. No, he ran, he ran the score up against Notre Dame, and so I could see him definitely doing that. 
I think the weird thing is what he did, and one of our other podcasters at the Odds Breakers, Michael Fordham, pointed this out. Well, Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy are supposedly both in play. Like, McCarthy's supposed to start next week. And uh, so it's just, I don't like that. That never seems to work out. That never seems to work out, the two quarterbacks. Pick one and go with it if he struggles, get him out of there. But the whole... The whole rotating quarterbacks. If you got two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. I totally agree. I don't like that lack of trust. So yeah, Michigan returns a lot of offense in general, but not a lot of defense. And this is why you see a total of sixty-one and a half. I have Michigan minus twenty-eight just from a power ratings, but the high total tells me they expect some points out of Colorado State. Um, Michigan should be able to run the ball really well anytime they want. I'm just going to lean Colorado State now. That's past thirty and a half but I'm not going to be playing this game. Let's move on to a game that's a little bit closer to your side of the fence. Rutgers versus Boston College. This is at seven points here. The total is 48. I'll start on this one. I'm not. I'm a little higher on Boston College than other people I've noticed from my power ratings to theirs. But um, what I will say is they return Phil Jerkovic, who's a decent quarterback. He had it really hard last year with that injury. He missed most of the season, came back at the very end. Boston College was like a, the, the the biggest season win total took over, and they couldn't even get to it because of that quarterback injury, really. But Rutgers, horrible against the pass last year, ranking 111th in passing yards per attempt. It's just they're so bad against the pass, decent against the run, but they do return their full secondary, and they might have improved themselves. I think the line's pretty good, and I think I have it minus 7.5 from a power rating. But I, this is just another one how you said earlier, Will. We can talk about this stuff as much as we want, but we really don't know, especially in college. I'm just going to lean Boston College. Yeah, and I don't know how you feel about teasing games in college. There's so much volatility. If you told me you had to play something here, and again, saying a a game is a good teaser piece sometimes isn't great content, so I apologize for that. If I had to play anything, maybe a Rutgers team total under, just because they are not going to be great on offense. I don't think it's an ugly offense. You see that by the total 48, which is pretty low for college. Uh, Boston College was great against the pass last year, third, third in the country, defending the pass, good defense. Rutgers, shaky quarterback, shaky offensive line. Uh, Shiano could be a conservative coach, so maybe a Rutgers team total under here would be a good play. All right, Rutgers team total under. I like that angle. That's really, yeah, that's that's what we're looking for is uh, you know different like type of angles and different bets that come out. The team totals usually come out on Thursday or Friday in most of the books on a normal college football Saturday, so keep that in mind, guys. I, I like it. There's a couple team totals I'm actually already looking at, Will, waiting for those things to pop. So That's the thing. There's so many markets with betting now. There's so many markets. Find the right market. Be like, oh, I don't like this team because they're defense. Well, you can isolate your play and say, you know what? I'm going to bet the other team team total. You don't have to bet the game or the spread. There's so many different ways to attack this. If you think a team is you know, a good first quarter team and can hang in for whatever reason, I mean, there's just, there's so many ways to attack these games. Sometimes finding the right way to attack it is just as important as uh, what angle you have. 100%. Great advice right there. Let's move on to the final game then that we're going to talk about in college football today. Notre Dame versus Ohio State. I mean, this when they made this schedule, this is supposed to be maybe the biggest game, but Ohio State's laying 17 points. You know, this is not saying the game's supposed to be competitive, but man, this thing was like, I think it opened back in May or something, April or May, minus 10 and a half. Then it went way up to minus 13 and a half and 
I started getting into my college cat prep, and by the time I got to it, it was 14. And I was like, you know what? I missed the 10, 11. I stand by my guns. But now it's sitting at 17. Total is 59 and a half. What are your thoughts on the biggest supposed game of the weekend? Yeah, I just I can't on principle lay 17 and a half when I had a chance to lay 10, 11, 12. I mean, you just you missed the number. If you like Ohio State, maybe wait for something in game. Uh, just you missed your opportunity. I think it's too many points. I would lean towards Notre Dame. That being said, I, w- I mean, who's going to be surprised if you turn this game on and you miss the first three minutes of it and you say, hey, what's the score? Oh, it's 14 nothing Ohio State because they are a machine uh, on offense. Stroud, the receivers, we saw what they did against Utah in the bowl game. I think they'll be a little bit better on defense. I would lean towards Notre Dame just because, look, this, I mean, they're a top 10-ish sort of team, too, to be getting 17 and a half points. Go back to the idea that, hey, it's week one. We don't really know. Notre Dame starts out fast. They get a turnover. 17 and a half is a lot. So I will tentatively take the Notre Dame plus the 17 and a half. That Ohio State team is a scary bunch to bet against, though. They certainly are. And it's all about what Jim Knowles has done here to fix this defense. You're hearing great things out of camp. These are beat writers and just people just high in Ohio State, hyping it up even more. We don't know until we see what's going on here. I expect them to be better just because Uh, much better recruits than most other schools, even better by a pretty good margin than Notre Dame. But Notre Dame, the reason it's also high, they lost a lot of turnover from their coach. They have some offensive line problems now. You know, Kelly went to LSU. That's a massive uh, just move in general. The spread is really close to my power number. My power number is minus 18 exactly. So I'm not playing this game. Marcus Freeman, the new Notre Dame coach that was defense coordinator last year, but the year before was coordinator at Cincinnati, has a lot on his plate. But this is still a big-name school, and this is an embarrassing spread for them. It's embarrassing. You know, you're Notre Dame. You're coming into week one, and you're a 17-point dog. You know, that, that's got to have some sort of precedent for, with this team. Uh, Tyler Buckner takes over at quarterback uh, after Jack Cohn. But their tight end, Michael Meyer, is Oof. the best. You know, just a freaking beast. And it, Put him in the NFL now. I mean, don't even make him wait. <laughs> He's so good. That's what I'm saying, man. Just a beast. Um, it, it, the way, what I'm going to say about this, if you want to be a serious sports better, don't take this. It, don't take either side. I, you know, this is a massive movement here. This is not how you uh, should strategize how do you bet. If you wanted this game, you should have had it under the four team. Uh, you let this one go and pass on to the other side. Do you agree? 100%. And again, in-game betting is, is a great option. If you're watching the game, you see something, that's always an option to fire that way. Um, I'll say this. I'll steal your point about the NFL where you said, hey, one of these big favorites is going to go down. We're going to see somebody on Saturday, 20, you know, four, three, four touchdown favorites, not just like seven or eight points, 20, 21, 28 somebody's going to get upset on the money line. It always happens week zero, week one. There's always just a stunner because, again, we don't know that much about these teams. We think we know, but somebody's going to come out there, whether it's Oregon beating Georgia. I don't think Notre Dame would beat Ohio State. I think Ohio State will win, but somebody, if you if you find the right one, you can strike gold because there's going to be a massive upset on Saturday. That's right. That's what we always say. Put If you like the side, if you like the spread, Put a little on the money line as well. That'll go a long way if you're right about your inclinations. Thank you so much for coming on, Will. Where could our listeners and viewers get your great information? vsin.com slash podcast. The New York City cast available Apple, Spotify. So 
check us out. We just had a, a, a 14 game winning streak, which doesn't even sound real. It sounds like that. Some of those make believe stuff, but it's, uh, it's been a good run. Great guests such as yourself, other people that are sharp in the betting industry. Uh, so check it out. VEASAN.com slash podcast, the New York city cast. And I'm on VEASAN all the time. Lombardi line, a numbers game, all the different VEASAN shows. Will's fantastic. Make sure you guys check him out. Will best of luck to you this weekend. I should have mentioned on Twitter too at not the Will Hill. I'm not very good at promoting myself, but Kev, let's uh, let's just win all our bets. Let's make it simple. Let's win, win all our bets. It'll be a much better weekend. Let's have some fun. Now I'm very excited to bring back a man who's been capping since 1992. You've heard him on radio shows all across the United States, podcasts all over the nation. Very happy to welcome back Mr. Tony George from DocSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at TGeorgeSports. Tony, my man. Had a blast with you last week. I, I know you canceled yeah. the golf game for me today. I, I you yeah. didn't have to do that, but I appreciate it. How yeah, you doing? I'm doing good, man. It was nice seeing you in Vegas down there. You, you know, uh, I thought I was a big shot in town. You here, you are doing doing uh, podcasts at Circa and hanging out with Veasan guys and running around. And uh, nonetheless, it was great to see you. And of course, uh, um. One of those uh, weeks this week as we launch, we got through last week, you know, with we put out two games and one of both. And uh, not a whole, well, one surprise last week. I'm sure you're going to bring it up. But <laughs> uh, other than that, you know, uh, I, I'm speaking with guarded optimism for this year and I'm well prepared. I'm coming off uh, a year that's going to be awfully hard to duplicate. We had a 86% run with our top picks last year in college football, 14 and two. And I know that sounds like a lie. That's how good it was. It sounds like a lie, but they're documented over there and over 60% with our college picks. So uh, we've set the bar high. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's kind of uh, one of those weeks out of the gate, you know, Kiev, where you can't see the forest because of all the trees in some respects. There's a lot of podcasts and I know you're doing a crap load of them. Um, and, uh, so am I and radio spots and stuff. And everybody wants to know about every game on the board. And I would just say it's, everybody needs to calm down, take a deep, deep breath, find three or four this weekend. You really like and, and hammer on those. And, uh, it's that time of year where about 90% of the stuff that you're doing is purely based on speculation. You just hope you did your homework in the off season and got your power numbers right or somewhat right out of the gate. There's been an awful lot of line movement this week that's taken some of the value out of a lot of picks that I wanted. Oh, that's very true. I mean, it's a humbling experience for sure in Vegas. Some of the people I look up to and had a fantastic time. Went Wade over there at Doc Sports as well. Just had a had a blast. But yes, I can't agree with you any any more about how important it is to pump the brakes. Um, even with the most information in the entire world from every single beat writer, you still have a much larger variance of outcomes in college football compared to the NFL and compared to actually a lot of other sports. You know, right. um, basketball, you got your five-star recruits, you know, you got your four-star, you know, who's doing good just from that. And their floor is a lot higher. There's a lot of teams that could uh, crash and burn with really good recruits. Uh, we've seen a little bit about that last week. And uh, there's also teams with no recruits that can come up and actually uh, do something extremely well and be amazing. We remember those years of UAB, you know, Bill Clark, when he came in with nothing, 
won the conference. You know, I mean, that's what happens. And that's why you're seeing a lot of noise in the marketplace. Like, oh, I told you Nevada would suck. Or, uh, you know, I'm not Nevada. I mean, Wyoming would suck. Well, you know, it, you don't know that for sure. You know, Wyoming could right. have been paying good. And um, there's a lot of situations. Everybody thought, everybody thought Nebraska was going to be good. <laughs> I, know, I, I, I hate to ask you this, water. my man. I know you're a Husker fan, and I was going to bring up – Old Nebraska, only with your permission. But um, I mean, how does it feel? Yeah. After I mean, you've, you've been through this too long now, and then you give the guy one another chance, which is probably past. You're probably three chances past his last chance right now, Tony, and yeah, and then he got, blows it. Yeah, um, and last that was a good example of kind of what you were talking about. You know, uh, that line got as high as fourteen and then dropped to eleven, and then when all the uh, the show started coming on television Saturday morning, Fox, CBS, ESPN game day, all these different shows talking about, you know, they've got Whipple, the offensive coordinator from Pitt. That's, that's a, a you know, a 30 some year coach and used to be with the Steelers, won a Super Bowl with Roethlisberger, got Kenny Pickett to the NFL last year at Pitt, helped him win an ACC title. And he's going to call all the plays. Frost is backing off. And, you know, they got Casey Thompson from, from Texas at quarterback and the transfer portal. And Nebraska ranks seventh in the nation in transfer portal strength in terms of getting talent in there. And then you got Matt Liner going on there, their picks before the game, Nebraska by 17. And, and Peterson said Nebraska by at least nine and, all these numbers and it shot up to 12 and a half, 13. I didn't put it out, but I bet Northwestern the minute I saw that, I go, no way. And guess what it was? It was freaking groundhog day <laughs> with Bill Murray. Yeah. Except it was Bill Murray with Scott Frost doing the same sh shift that he did last year and making bonehead calls with the onside kick and, and uh, the defense that was just a funnel to the end zone and the defensive line was shot and the quarterback late in the game on crucial plays through picks. I, It was Adrian Martinez 2.0. And I think you might have even liked my tweet I put out. I can't remember. I had a bunch of likes on it. I think you did. And I says, well, the uh, Scott Frost fell farewell tour uh, has begun in Ireland. And, and so um, nonetheless uh, – but that was an example of a lot of hype. Um, you know, and and I had said last week with one of your one of your good buddies, Kyle Hunter, I did a podcast with him. I've got a podcast I do, and it's always live on Twitter on Fridays. I said, you know, I'm not buying into all this stuff at Nebraska. I said, until they show me they can close a game out, you know, I mean, there's just you can't back them. You can't back them in – you just can't back them, dude. You know, they just Scott Frost is the one that was responsible for this absolute debacle. They start out great, beautiful catch in the touch end zone, 7 nothing. You know, they're up by 11, and then they do an onside kick. It's like, how the heck do you even allow this man to even get on the plane and get off the plane in Nebraska for – you know, special teams was a tough thing for them last year, and you freaking do this high-variance, low-productivity pro play. 
You know, it, yeah. it, it's it, and if it goes against you, you're just handed it back. And then he got massively outcoached. It wasn't just that. It was the defense. I mean, the whole middle of the field was disgustingly wide open on these quick slant yeah. routes from the slot and from the tight end, you know. Then yeah. then they try to adjust to that, and the running back's wide open in the flat. It looked too easy for Northwestern. It was just a debacle. But going back to what I was saying about Nevada, too, you know, everyone had Nevada as the worst team, and they didn't play well at all. Don't get me wrong. They, all, I believe, outgained, but they still covered that massive spread. Everyone took, yeah. you know, I had I had a ticket plus 11, or no, plus 10 and a half, and it, they lost by 11. You know, it was uh, just pathetic football by New Mexico State, you know, and. Uh, yeah, well, the five turnovers didn't hurt, didn't help them. Yeah, the five turnovers didn't help. So, yeah, you know, people are going to yeah. come up with narratives right now, and that's why spreads get overbought, and that's why week zero teams are only 44 against the spread in general. Uh, when they come into week one. So remember that, you know, there, there's yeah. there's still one that I kind of like coming into week one that, that might buck that, but I'm not going to get too excited. I'm not throwing money against on Nevada. As a matter of fact, Nevada went down against Texas State, right? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not throwing money on Northwestern their first game, you know, after that, after that big win in Dublin. Uh, just kind of think about that. Really important to know. Uh, when to play these things and when they're going to get a little bit overvalued. So that's what we're here for, Tony. And uh, we got a, a big slate of games coming on. And what me and you can just kind of give our ad, our advice. You know, we have some pre- right. premium plays that we're not giving out, obviously, to clients. But we're just going to, you know, break down some big games and tell you what we're leaning. And that doesn't mean it might become a play in the near future, right? Sure. Let's start out then, my man. And I picked sure. I picked a game for Thursday. You know, right right away Thursday we have Central Michigan versus Oklahoma State, and I'm going to start out hot with this one. This one went from twenty one and a half down to twenty, back up to twenty two and a half. Now back down to twenty one and a half. Very interesting line move uh, back and forth in here. You can tell there's a lot of. Uh, disagreement in the marketplace on this one i i'm actually on a side here and i'm going to explain why i mean this is a good mac team versus a good big 12 team right um you can almost say they were great but you have to look at the difference what's the difference between you're looking at 17 points here a good big 12 team is probably 10 points above the average team a good mac team is probably about maybe four points below the average team. So in my opinion, this is a little bit fat of a line. Oklahoma State returned Spencer Sanders from their offense, but they lost a ton of defense, only ranking 128th in returning production. They lost Jim Knowles to Ohio State, which is very interesting. That's a big blow, I think, to them. They do at least, like the only two guys they're returning are their two defensive ends, which is probably a good thing. But still, Oklahoma State, if you look the last couple of years, how they started the season off, they only beat Tulsa by eight uh, in 2020. Last year, they only beat Missouri State by seven and then Tulsa by five. They just have very poor starts to the season. I think part of that is because of Spencer Sanders. Um, and I think Central Michigan, a pretty good MAC team that finished last year with five wins in a row, including Washington State in the Sun Bowl. I just think that this line's a little bit too big. I took it at the twenty-one plus. I took the twenty-one. I took twenty-one in the hook, and I took it for a couple stars. 
And I like the fact that, that they return eight guys on offense, including their quarterback, Daniel Richardson. So my number's about minus 18. What, what were your thoughts? Well, uh, they're well coached. That's that's number one. You saw that in a bowl game last year. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy you didn't mention that you need to mention is Lou Nichols. He's one of the best running backs in the MAC. He had 1,800 yards last year. He's got a good line in front of him. Um, now, Oklahoma State, believe it or not, a couple of things here. Uh, Mike Gundy is not the world's greatest coach. You know, he gets a lot of press, and T. Boone Pickens used to give gave him all the money and gave him all the improvements. He still couldn't win a Big 12 title. And the bottom line here is their defense took a big hit. Now, last year, uh, Mike Gundy had a defense, which you haven't been able to say that. Oklahoma State was one of those teams um, that we really don't care about defense. We're just going to outscore you. We're just going to go wide open. They like a lot of those 45, 42 football games. And they just like to come out on top. Uh, and uh, that never got them anywhere, you know, um, especially against Oklahoma and uh, Texas. Because Texas, they, they say, you want to get in a, you want to get in a shootout? Guess what? We, we got a lot of ammunition, more than you do at, 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 up in Stillwater. So we're going to go ahead and beat you. You'll give us a ball game, but we're going to beat you. Um, so he got himself a defense last year, 18 points per game allowed. That's one of the top 20 in the nation. I mean, they had a good defense last year, kept them in a lot of games. But um, I think Central Michigan is going to do a nice job of running the ball, which is going to eat up the clock and going to keep the score down a little bit and bring in those big points. And uh, I tell you what, this thing opened up at uh, 61 um, opened up at 64 on the look-ahead lines back in, like, April out here. You know, they have the look-ahead lines, you can bet. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it'll, it, it opened up then, um, and it's been bet down now to uh, 59. I still think there's a little value even in the under there. I think Central Michigan's not going to get – well, the, if they want to get into a shootout, they probably couldn't win it based on what their offense is capable of doing. But I think they can expose some new guys on on the defensive front for Oklahoma State here. And I think that uh, I'd lean with you. I think Central Michigan probably there. That's too many points. And also, I it might be a lot. I, I can see a 32-17 type ball game here, Kev. Yeah, yeah. And the under, it was another interesting look here uh, for these teams. You know, Oklahoma State – had to speed up the tempo a little bit at times, but their defense kind of kept them out of it. The only thing that worries me is both teams replace a lot of defense, so you wonder if they're not going to if they're going to get stopped that much. But I do like the rushing attack, like you mentioned, from Central Michigan here, and Jim McElwain is a decent coach, like you said, man. Very good coach. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, he's got some guys returning on offense now, so I expect them to click right off the bat. I think that a backdoor could happen, too. They could be down 24 points and and very easily backdoored uh, the end zone right there. Let's move on. The the one thing that you did, I didn't bring up, I didn't want to agree with you. Um, Season openers have eluded Mike Gundy in terms of big wins. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he just, for some reason, I remember who they played last year. Was it Tulsa? Because and I yeah. like Tulsa. I, I took Tulsa in that game last year. Right first, you know, for, against them, they were getting a number, and uh, you know, hell, they could have beat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, Tulsa was in that game the whole game, both years oh, in yeah. a row. 
Uh, Tulsa yeah. should have been the year before, too. So Tulsa had their number, but Missouri State, an FCS school, uh, you know, only be winning by yeah. a couple points. That is just embarrassing. And so I hate the way they've been starting out this season, the last few years. And this Central Michigan MAC team was one of the best MAC teams. Uh, I, they just missed because that stinking Notre Dame, Notre Illinois loss that they had, they would have been in the MAC yeah. championship had it yeah. not been that. So um, yeah. they're one of my top three MAC teams. I have Toledo, Central Michigan, maybe Northern Illinois, but uh, probably those two are sitting on top for me. Yeah, Toledo's going to have a good football. It's going to boil down. They're going to they're going to be in the mix right till the very end. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. Let's move on to the next game and one sure. you, one you picked Louisiana Monroe versus yeah. Texas Texas yeah. thirty seven yeah. and a half. God, did I even write the total down? What was it like sixty nine or something? Let me. It is the total here is uh, it's down to sixty four and a half. Okay. Okay. Which, which, which plays in it. The look ahead line on this was seventy one, uh, and then it opened at sixty seven here with the when the lines finally came out here a couple weeks ago, and now it's down to sixty four and a half, and they're catching thirty seven. Uh, to me, this it's to me this is a no brainer. Um, and for and bear in mind when we're giving you these picks, folks. We're not telling you to sell the 401k and grandma's bonds here. These are uh, my best stuff's going to be over at Doc Sports. But looking at this game, and I do this a lot, um, Texas got Alabama on deck. They're not going to show jack crap here. Right. Nothing. Right. Sarkeesian's not going to show anything. They're breaking in a new quarterback. Ewers is here. He's from Ohio State. He's going to play. He's not going to play starters past mid third quarter in this game. Right. Not going to do it. I like the under, and I like I, I, UL Monroe. I, I'd take him. Then I got him earlier at like damn near forty some. They're sitting 37, 37 and a half right now. Thirty seven and a half is a consensus line. I just picked up looking here on the computer. Um, I'd lean UL Monroe. I, I think that Texas with a big game on deck, you know, and Texas has obviously number one. Uh, more talent at skill positions, like times to the nth degree. I get that. Yep. Um, but at the end of the day, you're not going to see them all day. Uh, they're going to try and beat Alabama. Of course, they're not going to beat Alabama, uh, but they want to give them a ball game. They want everybody healthy. They're going to use this as a tune-up game. They're going to be real conservative of play calling. Um, probably the best lean here probably be under 64 and a half. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Uh, Louisiana Monroe, unfortunately, was a terrible team last year. I, I don't horrible. know. I, I don't know what. Horrible. That, I, 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 I've never seen this bad. But they had that one big win last year against Liberty, and that was kind yeah. of that was kind of interesting. Then they beat South Alabama, but then their you know schedule got a little tricky. App State at LSU later in the season, and they kept up with LSU and only lost by thirteen points. To LSU, right. and then they and then yeah. they then they played their uh, in-state rival at Louisiana, only lost by five points. So that's an interesting look you have there. They rec- they returned Chandler Rogers as their quarterback. So uh, my number's thirty one. So right. I, so I'm leaning towards your way here. The scary thing right. is that yeah, Bijan Robinson and all the talent Quinn Ewers transferring from Ohio State. Uh, it obviously kicked Thompson right out of there. But I got to say, man, yeah. 
they don't return a ton of other guys and no. on offense and then offense no. if it's a little shaky is definitely a little worrisome i think this is one that i'm going to wait for to see if there's more public that are going to come in on texas and i wonder if more sharp action comes in under 64 and a half because if monroe can sniff 20 points then this gets a little dangerous. Um, then you're yeah. looking at you know 45 to let's just call it 42 to 21, and you're at 63 already. You know, so yeah. this this thing got a little out of my uh, probably where I can bet it, but I definitely will lean Monroe with you right there, especially how they finished last year. Right. Well, you know, you just it, it you know it's David versus Goliath, uh, but Monroe played some really good Power Five teams real well last year. Um, they've got a decent amount of starters returning, but you've got a team that this is their Super Bowl versus a team that wants to play Deacon Dunk football and get out of here healthy. Right, exactly. You know? yep. and, and so there's an opportunity, not for you, Al Monroe, to win, because that if they won, they'd fire Sarkeesian after the game and just pay him off and say, go away. Yeah. Uh, so you, Al Monroe's not going to beat them, but uh, Texas is going to – they are in a complete look-ahead spot, and anybody with a brain knows that. They just yeah. want to get out of here healthy. They don't want to show their playbook to Nick Saban. No. Yeah. No. They, there's no way they want to even come close to doing something like no. that. So uh-uh. very interesting uh, point right there. Let's move on to the next game. We have Oregon versus Georgia. And I have Georgia minus 17. Is, is it still minus 17? I'm going to pull it up yep. here. I don't like giving out stale lines I, here. No, I just looked at it a minute ago. All right, minus 17 and the total 52 and a half. Now, I'll, I have a play on this, and it got away from me a little bit by a half point. Um, I just don't see that this Georgia team, who they, they have, of course, they replace with four and five star guys. We know that with Kirby Smart. Yeah. But I also argue that. Kirby Smart, we don't know how he is after a championship year. I know you can trust Nick Saban after a championship, obviously. But Kirby Smart, you know, they still might be on honeymoon here. And they lost Danny Lanning to Oregon as their head coach, their defensive coordinator. So there's nobody better than, you know, Danny Lanning other than Kirby Smart that knows this Georgia team and Danny Lang is going to be able to stop them but at the same time you have a bunch of kids for Georgia that said well we want to take it to our old defensive coordinator and show them that you know we're the best I wouldn't be shocked if if Oregon doesn't score many points at all three to ten points but I also would be very shocked if Georgia absolutely blows them out here uh, against their old defensive coach that's going to have these kids motivated. I took the under 52. I'm shook. I'm surprised it went up to 52 and a half. I still like it for a couple stars, Tony. Yeah, I agree with you there. I was going to say under. Um, if, if I had to take a side in this, I'd probably take Oregon in the first half plus 10. That, mm-hmm. that was a number that was floating around out there. Now you're going to lose a little value now because it's dropped. But um, you've got the mentor versus the apprentice here you know, in the coaching department, but who knows, uh, who knows, uh, them better than, uh, Lanning. Right. I mean, he was on staff and, and, uh, you've kind of got the, uh, now you've got the, uh, honeymoon hangover a little bit with Georgia, obviously a very good team. They had to replace a lot of guys, uh, uh, with a nut, with a bunch of other studs, but, uh, you know, I, I could, I could see Oregon hanging around in the first half and then just the depth and sheer talent, that Georgia has over Oregon, you know, 
getting into the second half of the game. I could see it getting away from them and them not covering the number. But honestly, I don't see Georgia having over 32 points here. Yeah, it's so interesting how they lost their best receiver to transfer. <laughs> you know, yeah. That was yeah. uh, the best returning receiver, obviously, Pickens being gone, right? But um, it was just very strange to see him go to Alabama making a vertical move. But it just that tells you a lot about what this uh, offense is to him. He wants to go be a top pro draft pick. He thought Nick Saban was going to do a lot better job, you know. Coming right. And that's Jermaine Burton right there. So, right. So, um, yeah, I just thought that was very interesting. They still have Brock Bowers there at tight end. But, yeah, they return only uh, two starting offensive linemen. Yeah. I, I see a defensive battle here for sure. And I do yeah. And I do agree that I would lean Oregon first half, Georgia second half, almost make those two plays as they come. And adding just one more comment, and when I say Georgia, they, it might get away from Oregon in the second half. I remember Oregon went in. Where was it? Ohio State here. Was it last year or the year before? Last beat year. Them. Last year. Yeah, went in there and beat them. So anything can happen with this. These and this isn't David Gerst's Goliath. This is a good. This Oregon team's got a lot of speed and a lot of talent. But the one thing I'll tell you when I talk about maybe Georgia could put some distance between the two of them in the second half. One thing about Kirby Smart, he is one of the better in-game coaches there is out there. Mm -hmm. He makes a lot of adjustments in-game and always the right way. You know, he makes a lot of smart coaching decisions, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you know, when a team's moving around on him. And I, I think that, uh, you know, they'll – so I, I think it's going to take them the first half to kind of get their sea legs underneath them, so to speak, as you said, and get all the blocking schemes – you know, perfected, and then maybe in the second half, after a nice little last two and a half time, come out and probably put the, you know, pull out a can of whoop ass on them and <laughs> and put some distance between them. Yeah, we'll see how that rolls, and uh, I I hundred percent agree. Let's move on to the next one. We have Rutgers versus Boston College. You picked this one, I believe. Boston yep. College minus seven right now. Yep. The total is sitting at 48. I mean, this looks like an NFL point spread in total. Minus 748, my man. Yep. What, what are your thoughts on this? Well, let's just look at it like an NFL game. Um, spread 47 total, spread seven. Um, you want to take the underdog. Yeah. I like Rutgers in this game. I like Rutgers in this game. I think it's too many points. Um, and by the way, two really good college football head coaches going at it on here. Shiano's turning things around. He had a bunch of recruits. Last year, he was using a Nebraska transfer. There really wasn't any good at quarterback. And so they're going a different direction there. But Boston College here, um, uh, and of course, Jeff Halfley at Boston College, a good coach. But Boston College is replacing their entire offensive line, including their tight end. That's where he's Five saying. guys up front, brand new. And Shiano knows how to coach. I think this is going to be, you know, it's not a marquee game. It's not. Uh, it's it's not Oregon and, and Georgia. It's not, you know, a Notre Dame Ohio State. But it this is going to be one of the better games that you're going. To, if you want to see a good competitive football game, and you like some smash mouth football, old school, this is the ball game. It's got it written all over it, and I'll take the points in a game like that and. You know, Rutgers was good at home and and shitty on the road last year. 
Uh, but we'll see what they do here. You know, but I, I think that they're going to be a competitive team with any most teams all year, uh, except, you know, elite teams. But I don't think Boston College is an elite team. And uh, I, I think what they're having to replace an entire offensive line, uh, I think Rutgers will give them a ball game. I think that's too many. This could be three points one way or the other. Yeah, you know, this is an interesting game for sure. I didn't have a play on it, and I'm probably not going to make one. I think this is going to tell us a lot about both of these schools, one of the ones that just you just watched too. Um, I think that Rutgers, they do, do return their full secondary, but they were also really bad in the secondary. So the question is, the, are, did these kids improve ranking so bad against the pass last right. year? That's what worries me. Uh, and the, and you pull, obviously, the biggest thing in this whole game is the offensive line and the biggest question is the offensive line for Boston College like you pointed out so well right I, I like Phil Jerkovic um, I think he's a good quarterback and if he didn't get hurt last year Boston College goes over that massively public season win total that everybody lost on last year yeah yeah <laughs> that was just mad. I was I hey I was one of them man, there's a lot of one of there's a lot of people saying I was one hey. of them my man yeah but um it, it's it's almost where exactly I made the line, so I'm not going to touch it. But it's Shiano's got to do something one of these freaking days. And they got some speed, uh, melting on safety. Um, they got some speed in their offensive uh, wide receivers or skill positions, I'm trying to say. So uh, I, I think that Rutgers has a fighting chance here at this one. And obviously, it's not a big travel spot for them just going to Boston from New Jersey. Yeah. So that yeah. that's a uh, uh, one thing to think about as well. Let's move on to Boise State versus Oregon State. Oregon State minus 3, total is at 57. So I know you might have a side on this one, but I I I think I like well no, I'm going to lean my side. Both teams return a decent amount of productions. Both quarterbacks returning Hank Bachmeyer and Chance Nolan are back. Oregon State has a great offense under Jonathan Smith. They're net .73 net yards per play. But Boise somehow had a pretty good record last year. They're minus .23 net yards per play. Bo Boise was weird last year. Yeah, I mean, they lost to UCF, Air Force, and Nevada while they beat BYU in Fresno State. Yeah. Um, and they really hung in really well with Oklahoma State last year. Remember losing that yeah. by one point here. Yeah. I, my, my pure power rating has Oregon State minus five. Just because I'm high on Oregon State this year in the Pac-12 North, I think it's just a weird division this year. Uh, weird conference in total minus Utah and USC, I guess. But um, I, I'm not going to make a play. What do you have on this? Well... Our power rating numbers differ greatly. Um, I have, uh, and and you know, the thing that, and I did a free play video over, you know, on our YouTube channel for Doc Sports. You can just search Doc Sports from there and watch it. But this was a free play, and um, the thing that you and I do, and we brought it up. You just brought it up, and I was going to bring it up here. Power numbers. 90% of the guys I know the handicap and bet professionally have power numbers on each team. And you weigh those numbers between two teams, what the difference is, and then you match that up against what the Las Vegas line is. And that's for the guys out there that don't know what overlays against the spread means. 
And that's the things that uh, Mr. O'Neill and myself do. And we get the biggest ones, anything over three or four, going down the list of 50 games, I'm circling those right out of the gate. Those are the ones I want to – and usually those are the ones I want to bet on Monday. And I'm not even putting picks out till Thursday, but those are the ones I'm personally going to bet. So we work all summer to put our databases together and our power numbers, folks. And I have a Boise State here, minus three. They were getting two and a half or three. So that's a six-point overlay. I'm going to circle that. I'm going to circle that. And here's the thing. Then you, then doing this 30 years, and I know, Kev, you've done it a long time too, I have to trust my numbers right out of the gate. All the hard work I did from April, spring games, all the way through the summer where we're doing baseball and WNBA and NBA playoffs and, and golf and NASCAR, all these other things I do. When I'm done handicapping those, I'm right back to the NFL and college working on databases and power numbers, returning starters, this, that, and the other. You got to trust your number. It's kind of like a two-foot putt, as I said on my video today. Right. You know, and you're you're putting on a green that's running 13 on a stint meter, and it's it's a little downhill, and it breaks hard right to left. You have to trust your line and go ahead and make that stroke on the line that you trust. If you don't trust it, you're going to miss the putt. Well, I trust my number, and I think the wrong team's favored. I think Boise State's a better team. And uh, I want to thank uh, Oregon State. Personally, I, I tried to send them a box of candy. Uh, my bowl game of the year last year was Utah State uh, up against them. And they were laying six and a half, and they got beat by nine. Oregon State. I don't. I'm not a believer. I'm not a believer in their coach that much. I'm not a believer. I'm not a believer in them. I and trust me. I know Corvallis is a tough place to go in and play. You know, there's no doubt about it. I've been to an Oregon uh, when Chip Kelly was coaching there. I've been to an Oregon Oregon State game in Corvallis. It was a bucket list thing. I flew up. I bought a ticket and I went. It was insane. I've been in Nebraska, Oklahoma, Mich Michigan, Ohio State, uh, Notre Dame, USC, you know, out here at, in Pasadena. Um, I, I, the Red River War, I've been to that game. You know, been to, been to Tennessee, Florida, and Knoxville. That game in Corvallis was just as intense as any of those. Absolutely. So so let me let me jump in here. So, and, and this is not uncommon that you and I are off on our power range. This is week after week zero, right? We haven't seen yeah. most of these teams. We we are going to be off more than ever from each other the earlier, and it, it starts adjusting and our stuff gets closer together. Oh, sure. What we hope is that we're with the market. Now, I'm minus two and a half points different, and it came up to five, but this is a three-point spread here, and it's not like I'm up to a key number of six, plus I'm adding the week one variance of how I'm off, you're off, the market's off, everybody's off, the odds makers are off. It's just, yeah. almost, it's just almost a big free-for-all, but if you're this much off, God bless you, Tony. You should be making that play, um, especially when the total is not that high, being at fifty-seven. Yeah. So, I mean, which, yeah. which you, is you're which, right. Which you and, say makes sense. The thing of it is, we're not having a, folks watching this. We're not having a contest saying your numbers wrong and my numbers wrong. 
Guess what? The odds makers number on Nebraska last week was 12. They got beat straight up, folks. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody knows. There's a lot of speculation involved here. That's why we're telling you to back off these. But I will say the one comment I will give this Boise State team is I thought they were the best 7-5 and five team in the country last year. Possibly. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. I have to in look I have opinion. to look at all seven five teams. But yeah, they were they yeah. were they were decent. I EPA they were about fiftieth. Um I think Oregon State was thirty ninth. I just think that they beat some big teams and had some boneheaded losses, but let's see if Hank Bachmeyer can bring them out this year. Yeah. We have the next one from a listener, Mr. Patrick Backus, and he's asking about the Arizona versus San Diego State game. San Diego State is six-point favorite here. The total is 46.5. Tony, the first thing I have to say about this is this line freaking stinks. I mean, yeah. th this line freaking reeks right now. This line smells. I mean, why is San Diego State only a six-point favorite here against Arizona? They blew out Arizona at Arizona last year. Arizona only won one game last year. Well, I'll tell you why it is six points. The Wildcats... Obviously terrible. San Diego State was the second best, maybe Mountain West team. If you don't want to include your Boise or uh, you know Fresno and Utah State was a bit lucky. Um, yep. The thing about this line is that Arizona somehow was able to get some damn good transfers in. They yeah. got they got Jaden Delora from Washington State, who was fantastic for that school last year. And they got yeah. UTEP's best receiver, Jacob Cowing, who was pretty yep. much that whole freaking team last year, the reason they won five, yep. five, six games last year. I had to upgrade this Arizona offense significantly. And they ranked 43rd in returning production. They have a couple extra transfers. San Diego State, on the other hand, um, 115th in returning production on off and on offense only returns one wide receiver, two offensive line. They're getting Braxton Burmeister from Virginia Tech, and I didn't like Braxton Burmeister that yeah. much for Virginia Tech. So this line stinks for a reason, and it makes me think that Arizona somehow is the right side. Am I going to have the balls to put it down? Maybe not, but that's my best advice I can give you. Well, there's a lot of sharp money that's came on on Arizona. This thing was it was as high as 11 and a half early on. Yeah. And uh, now I saw, I just looked on my uh, Don Best live odds, and we've got two spots at five and a half. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's 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 dropping. And, and here's the thing. The total here, I got, what, 46 and a half, 40. Yeah, and San Diego State, known for their defense, and the other thing is a little bit of a distraction here. They're playing in a brand new stadium. They're just opening. This is the inaugural game in their new stadium, right? For San Diego State, and this is a this game's on CBS. So there's a lot of stuff kind of surrounding this. A little somewhat of a distraction. I think their offensive production is going to be minimal, and I think they're going to get everything that Arizona's gotten in some here. And I I think that this might be a I think San Diego State's a better team. I, I have them power rated higher, obviously. But something about this, uh, you know, if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, you know what they say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's 18% it, yeah. it, of the tickets are on Arizona and 72% of the money is on Arizona. That's a 54, like a 54, 56% difference 
in that you know it's just like that's a sh- that's called a sharp side i mean that's when yep. it's that big of a difference the sharp money yep. is on arizona but now you can't say it's sharp at six it was sharp when they took it earlier so right. pe- people have to keep that in mind that the line value might be gone and a lot of these guys that made that play moving this market might be coming back on the other side and it might be a right. good time to do that so uh being able to middle and take double your money and without you know leaving your risk on the table taking a risk away is massive so that's what's going on with this game let's move on we have no this is the last one i think florida state versus lsu my man lsu oh yeah that that, that's going to be a premium play of mine but i'm curious to know um you'd mentioned that i said i'm going to listen to the discussion I'm curious to get your your take on this one. Um, I'll make a few comments, but I'm definitely going to put this pick out over at DocSports.com. And and uh, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are with Brian Kelly coming in there. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, this game is very cool because it almost happened last year. And I think the almost the way you handicap it is from Notre Dame, Florida State last year a little bit because Brian Kelly coached for uh, – Notre Dame. Now it's obviously different with a lot of new kids, but he's also took a lot of experienced kids, maybe got the most number of transfers out of any team into LSU this year, including Jaden Delora there, there or Jane Daniels, I meant to say, the quarterback from Arizona State. So he transfers in and he's competing against redshirt freshman Garrick Newsmeyer. And, uh, yeah. you know, Miles Brennan retired a few days ago. He said, I'm done with this. He was probably not going to get the job. And he said, I'm, you know, I'm done. my football career is done, which is smart. If he's not going to make it after all these years, you know, Miles will hang it up and, you know, fix your major and do whatever you got to do. But this is uh, the way I look at this game is that there's so much havoc, it feels like, an LSU that I can see points being scored. I think that the offense will be together. But um, this is Florida State on the other side, and Mike Norvell, which we've known has always played very fast-paced football. Um, I can see them getting some points, too. I actually thought Florida State had the brutal schedule having to play Notre Dame and Florida in their non-conference and then going to Clemson. I mean, let's face it, Florida State last year had one of the hardest schedules in football, and they actually turned out like semi-decent. You know, they only lost to Florida by three points towards the end there. I, I thought they made some wake there, and they still get recruits there. I think they're scoring some points, and I also think LSU puts up some points. So, you know, this number is pretty close to where I make it. I think I make LSU like four or five, but I think this total is too low at 51 and a half. Last year when Notre Dame played Florida State, this thing got up to like 70s, 80s. This score went high. It was crazy, and I almost feel like this coaching matchup has the uh, potential of doing so. When there's so much havoc going on and talent on offense, I'm going to like the over. I remember last year that Notre Dame Florida State. I remember it because I was at the Cosmo, and we had some people in town, and we were some fan of the STK, that steakhouse there at the Cosmo, and they said, "Well, you know, uh, a ribeye's like eighty nine dollars." I said, "You know what, honey? I'm going to go out to the bar and get an appetizer and watch a Florida State Notre Dame game." <laughs> and um, in that game, as you you may have remembered. Uh, Notre Dame had a huge lead, Kelly coaching, and Florida State put in the the ex Milton, the ex quarterback from when Scott Frost was at Central Florida, 
And they brought him <laughs> off the bench, and they damn near beat him. And um, the bottom line is here, Florida State last week had a big win. And what, what I found interesting, you know, that's the first season opener Florida State's won since 2016. That's crazy. But the one thing in that ball game, and I know it was Duquesne, so let's not get carried away, you know, but Florida State had 300-yard rushers in that game. Three 100-yard rushers. That's a lot. And very fast-paced, a lot of off-tackle stuff, a lot of misdirection. Um, and play act, if you're successful doing that with, a deep running back unit, your play action is going to work as well. And I think I agree. I think this could be a higher scoring game. And and I think Florida State's going to give them a ball game. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think there's a chance that Florida State can hang in here. And it's the yeah. first year, first game for an LSU, for the coach. And I like Brian Kelly. I think he was underrated, but there was a reason he left Notre Dame is because he couldn't take him higher. It's like it's like when you're already starting out up there at the playoffs, it's almost like you'd rather take over another team, get another five years of guaranteed pay, and he got a hundred right. million hundred million reasons why to do that. And that was a smart yeah. move. I mean, it's like yeah. if you top off in the playoffs, you know, just like what happened to Washington's coach. Uh, you know, you, there's no other you, you fans are going to like lose on you, you know. But if, if you start with three wins and you move up to seven wins, they love you. <laughs> you know, right. it's just a completely different yeah. situation, and that's why he did it. But uh, so you kind of like the Florida State side, it sounds like. Um, well, I, I just think that uh, I think there's a big rush uh, in, in in people's minds that you, you, you listen, folks, don't listen to Kirk Herb Street and these guys on game day and these college football today on ESPN during the week. They're just laying down the red carpet for Kelly. And, you know, I, I think he's an, a better-than-average coach. I don't think he's a great coach, you know. Um, you saw his performance as a head coach in big games in the BCS. Coach of Notre Dame, they got their ass handed to him, you know. And in some games in the middle of the game when they were getting their ass handed to him, he didn't make a single change, you know, except to yell at players on the sideline. I mean, so I'm not a huge fan, um, but you know, don't don't be so quick uh, to to think that he's just going to turn LSU around. They were deplorable under Ogeron last year, and on the other side of the coin, uh, Florida State's had a rough go on of it. But if they continue to give Norvell this coach a chance, it you know, Florida State's like Nebraska. It's never going to be Bobby Bowden, and Nebraska's never going to be Tom Osborne again. Right. It's just not going to be that. It's not going to be that way. There's too much parity in college football. The transfer portal has kind of level level the playing field for a lot of teams, except Nebraska last weekend. But at the end of the day, um, I, I think this is going to be a lot more competitive game than people think it is. I, I put it to you that much. It was I'm last be, year. Uh, I, I'm going to be uh, looking at the total here for a premium play. Awesome, me too. Let's make that official. Over 51.5 for two stars from me. Tony, we are out of time, my man. Where could our listeners and viewers get your great information and plays? DocSports.com. Been around 51 years. Uh, uh, good outfit. Kev, Kev, you met the owner last week. Um, Wade, and Wade, of course, his dad started it in 1971. Uh, and 90% of the stuff over there, folks, is free. There's free plays and videos on almost every game this weekend. There's 12 handicappers. I'm one of them. I'm coming off a 61% year and and looking forward to uh, kicking some butt and taking some names. And uh, 
We give you a free 60 bucks for any new account. You can just text the word uh, Tony to 29022. Know something pop up on your phone. You can sign up right on your phone. So just text Tony to 29022 and get the weekend free. And because uh, we'll give you 60 bucks of daily packages or 30. And uh, I've been around 30 years, and uh, you can watch me daily on YouTube. Just type in Doc Sports for a search there as well. Sounds great. Make sure you guys check out Doc Sports and Tony George. Tony, always a blast talking to you. Thanks so much for coming on. You bet, buddy. Good seeing you in Vegas. I'll be down for Phoenix, for, and you can uh, you can buy some drinks. <laughs> Sounds good to me. It's a deal. All right, buddy. Now it is time for the sharp side of the force. The Sharp Side of the Force is brought to you by BetRivers.com. For a 100% sign-up bonus up to $250, please visit BetRivers and use the promo code ODDS22. Terms, conditions, and location apply. All right, my friends, we're going to talk a little sharp action. Now, obviously, these lines have been out forever, and so I'm going to be a little bit picky on them. Uh, the West Virginia-Pittsburgh, there's been some sharp money on the under it's under 54 right now. 75% of the bets are on the under, but 98% of the money. So that's pretty huge. Central Michigan versus Oklahoma State, plus 21.5. of the tickets and 87% of the money is sharp action. So that's about a 35% difference. Sharp money on Purdue. Now that it hit three and a half, 40% of the tickets are on Purdue. 69% of the money at the three and a half. Also some sharp money on the under 62% of the tickets and 84% of the money on under 54 and a half in that game. New Mexico State versus Minnesota. Sharp money on the under 62% of the tickets on the under 56 and 96% of the money. Next game, we have a little bit of sharp action on the under. Virginia Tech versus Old Dominion. 53% of the tickets on the under, 89% of the money. A little bit of sharp, sharp action on Temple at plus 8. 43% of the tickets on Temple at Duke, 96% of the money. And then you have Illinois at Indiana. Sharp money on Illinois. Drove it down to 3 69% of the tickets on Illinois when it was five and a half down to three, 90% of the money. I think there's people that still like Illinois now that's going down to two and a half. We have some sharp money on Michigan, minus 27 and a half, all the way up to minus 30.5, 75% of the tickets and 94% of the money. A little bit of sharp money on Appalachian State against North Carolina went to from plus three down to plus one and a half 40 percent of the tickets and 62 percent of the money they are hosting big name North Carolina and the last one that we have for you is some sharp money on Arizona obviously went down from 11 and a half down to six six and a half 18 percent of the tickets and 72% of the money. My friends, if you have my friends, if you have any questions for the odds breakers, feel free to email us info at the oddsbreakers.com and we'll read it on our Monday mailbag in our show. You can also get to our DMs at the oddsbreakers on Twitter. 
And thank you so much for being such great listeners over all of these years at the Oddsbreakers. Couldn't do this show without you guys. And thank you so much to premium members that support us and help to pay our bills to keep this website going and to keep this podcast going. The best thing that you could do to help us is write a five-star review, helps the algorithm, moves up us up a little bit in the podcasts and the ratings on Apple as well as Spotify. My friends, make sure you guys check out the oddsbreakers.com and our Telegram channel every day for plays. I hope you all enjoy all the college football games coming up this weekend and go get some winners.